Hello, this is Scott Bolden, and I would like to welcome you to another edition of SBM Studios Podcast. Hello once again, and we welcome everybody back to another episode of SBM Studios Podcast. Uh, We're tickled that you joined us today. We took a little bit of time off, but we're back and raring to go. I hope everyone has found our first three episodes. We enjoyed those. But I tell you what, I'm really, really tickled today because all of you who are listening to this, who know me and know what I'm all about, know how much I love Southern gospel music. I grew up listening to it, uh, singing it. I've never really had the talent to be able to do it on any kind of level, but I love Southern gospel music, and I've developed some friendships through the years with several artists, and none greater than the one that I have joining me today, and I'm just tickled to have Steve Ladd, tenor for the Old Pass Quartet, joining me today on the episode. Welcome, Steve. Man, thanks for having me on, Scott. You've been a dear friend for many years now, you and your family, and and, uh, I just appreciate you inviting me on. Um, I'm proud of you and and, uh, pray nothing but but success with this podcast and hopefully it'll reach a lot of people. Man, I thank you so much. I was thinking today a little bit as I was preparing to to have you on, uh, I was thinking about how we met. You know, I I haven't known you for just uh, a lot of years, but... it's Man, it's been about 11 years now. Wow. Time flies when you're having fun, but I know we, we had a mutual friend in... Jason Baines, and I know you had a relationship through him when he ran sound for the McKeithens, and y'all actually did a tour together when you were... We did. Spark of Flame, man. Spark of Flame. And Jason was new to traveling on in gospel music and, um, you know, just 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 a humble, sweet man. And uh, at that time, we were kids, you know. Um, but, um, yeah, I remember I left Gold City, and... Um, I, I believe I lived in Nashville, right outside of Nashville, Tennessee, and I, I was like, I've got to have a Sunday night um, in in Western Alabama, Northwestern Alabama, and uh, I reached out to Jason, and and he got me hooked up with you, and man, that was the first of many times to go sing for you at, at where you, wherever you were, and and um, just some great memories. Yeah, absolutely, great memories, and I, I was thankful that we connected and. Uh... You know, uh, you've been a mighty good friend to me uh, more than you ever had to. And I mean, you even you kind of even took one for the team and stepped up and, and, and helped me out when I did that little project and, and sang uh, the Man, harmony that vocals. Was fun. <laughs> that was fun. Um, you know, anytime you're around Scoot and Randy and and um, oh, who is your friend that sang, helped on that? I'm a cousin, well, Neil Champion and Chris Champion. Neil, yeah, yeah. Neil, very talented guy. And uh that was fun. It wasn't taking one for the team. It was, I love doing studio work. I really do. And no matter what kind of scale it's at, I just this past Monday was in Nashville doing a background vocal session for a regional artist out, out in Texas. And so I, I just love to, to be able to create art, you know, and um, for what that's worth, I don't know, but I love it. Yeah, man. And I really appreciated that. And and uh, I was thinking, I've got a few questions, a few things we're going to step through today. But one thing that just hit me, and you, uh, I was talking about my love. You know, I, I grew up, my family, the Champion family, Neil and Chris, who you met yep. at uh, in the studio with uh, Scoot and Randy, they sang uh, for years in a couple of groups, the Columbians Quartet and the Bama Boys Quartet. And I grew up following them. Uh, my first memories of professional Southern gospel music 
were the Gold City Quartet. That was back in the Ivan, Brian, and Mike, and Tim days, taco on piano, and then also cathedrals. And and the cathedral group that really captured my attention was when Mark uh, Trammell and Danny Funderburk was part with uh, Glenn and George. And what a great lineup! Oh yeah, of man. both of those groups, man. <laughs> yeah. Gold, Gold City. That was my favorite Gold City lineup. And probably my favorite uh, Cathedrals lineup as well. Not taking anything away from their legacy. I mean, they've oh, had yeah. some wonderful tenors, and and Kirk Talley did, it was amazing with them. But but just that that raw singing when Danny Funderburg was there with the Cathedrals, it's just uh, you don't get much better than that. And he can still sing like that. He can. It's crazy. Yeah, he can. Yeah, the age hasn't really taken a whole lot away. But I was thinking about me and my earliest memories. I mean, Southern Gospel has been a part of my life. So, like, thinking about it, before we go into kind of the history of your singing, uh, growing up, was singing Southern Gospel, was that part of your plan? Did you grow up with dreams to sing on stage? Oh, that's all I've ever wanted to do. You know, my dad's an evangelist. We were a traveling, singing and preaching family. I'm the youngest of my my brothers and sister. And, and, and so we did all the music. Once we got old enough, you know, uh, my sister started first. She was the oldest. And, and then my uh, next brother and he started playing. And then and so it was one by one we all started. But then once we were self-sufficient in the music department, we did all the music of my dad's revivals. And so, of course, we listened to um, you know, Southern Gospel Radio, and and so and went to all the concerts in the area. And I I can remember going to the Dayton Memorial Hall in Dayton, Ohio, where I was from, and um, Norm Livingston was like one of the biggest pr- promoters in the industry at that time, and he brought he brought the Paynes, the Hensons, Gold City, the I mean everyone there to that that concert venue, and so I remember going and seeing, it and I didn't know at the time it was Gold City. Um, but I walked by their table and saw this table picture and that's when Brian had the Afro. Um, <laughs> and, right. and, and I vividly remember that. And then later on, when I was a little older, I was like, Oh yeah, we saw them. I, I walked by the table, you know, I remember that hair. And, um, so at a very young age, eight, nine years old, I can remember the only thing I wanted to do was sing Southern gospel music and, and be, and, and actually be gold city's tenor singer. That was my dream. Oh, wow. Cause Brian free was my hero. That was my favorite group. I had all their albums. Anytime a new album would come out, I used to cut grass. And so, um, and, and so I would save up my grass cutting money. And, and if they came out with a new album, I was at the Christian bookstore and, and got it, you know? So, um, I didn't have a desire to be a doctor or a lawyer or a teacher. I only wanted to be a tenor singer for gold city. And so that's awesome. Um, I, I'm glad it worked out for me, you know, yeah. but, uh, but because a lot of people don't get to pursue their dream, everyone has dreams and goals, but, um, but God was, was faithful to me and uh, allowed me to live my dream for, uh, you know, for the longest time now. Yeah. And that's, you're right. You know, everybody does not, truth be told, I mean, I, I've talked about my love for it. And yeah, if I was being honest, my dream job, uh, if, if I could, uh, I, you know, I would love to sing. My dream has been one time. Pre-coronavirus, to... right? Because <laughs> nobody's been making any money or really singing here lately. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, and, and thinking about that, I've always just thought, what would it be like one time to step out on that NQC stage in front of, you know, that crowd? But, you know, as far as I go, I mean, and I'm just always very open and honest about this. I, I, I don't have the the vocal talent to, to do something like that. But, um, you know, 
at least I am able to stay connected to it through friends and, and uh, I still hope to one day. And everyone has their place and yeah. you never know. I mean, and, and you're, you're a really good singer. So I don't, I don't know why you would say that you just don't have the chops to do that because you know, I mean, that's the good thing about music is, you know, not everybody thinks Willie Nelson is the best singer. <laughs> That's right. But That's I right. love Willie Nelson's voice. Yeah. You know, yeah. not everybody likes Bob Dylan's voice, but he's made a career out of it, you know. And so, uh, you know, you don't have to have a Joseph Abadank or, you know, Arthur Rice type of Ooh. voice to be able to make it, you know, um, yeah. as long as the anointing's there and you connect with people. I mean, it's that's that's what sets apart, you know, a secular music there's a difference because you're in front of sometimes 20 30,000 people you can't really connect one-on-one -on -one right. with, with that many people but but with southern gospel we sing to on average 500 to you know 2,000 people and uh just varies but you can you can connect yeah. more with a church audience than you can in an arena full of you know oh yeah tens of thousands of people but but so don't sell yourself short and don't ever <laughs> give up on it because there's people that that they didn't start until they're they were 50, you know, as far as singing with a professional group and being able to sing on that state coveted stage in QC, you know. Hey, it could be a retirement plan. Who knows? You're right. You <laughs> might, your wife might get tired of you being home all the time and be like, nah, you need to get out on the road. Bro. That's right, man. But uh, so uh, thinking about that, that's awesome. You got to realize your dream. Now, I was looking back and, and, and kind of doing a little biography search and making sure that I knew all the ins and outs. And I thought... I saw that you started with the uh, Anchorman Quartet in nineteen about nineteen ninety seven. Now that was your first major group to sing with, right? That was. Now I've been on the road my whole life. We were homeschooled. Went to public school for a few years of my childhood and teenage years, but um, but primarily we were homeschooled and traveled. So I've been on the road basically my whole life. But yeah. but full time to make a living out of it, um, I was. It was 1997, and um, I was, oh, Lord, I was born in 76, so what would that make me? Oh, uh, what is that, about 21? Yeah, almost 21, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yep, so. Um, wow. And and stayed there eight years, and then, um, you know, had a wonderful time. Learned a lot from from that group. The Anchorman has always had a, a, a good group. I was a fan of theirs. You know, I remember sitting at my in my living room or my bedroom playing um, because at one time in my life when I was a teenager, we kind of um, went to we had a country station in the little town of West Virginia we lived in. And they had it was full time country on the FM dial. But on the AM side, they would just play preaching or stick a Tennessee Ernie Ford's album on and play it back to back. You know, I mean, that they didn't have anyone that could run the gospel side of it. And so we went up there one day, my mom drove me and my brother and, and said, we have this collection of Southern gospel CDs and music and um, we don't want any money for it. But if you'd allow us, we'd love to come in and, and, and play Southern gospel music. Well, they did. So I got on all the record labels, um, radio compilation discs, uh, mailing lists. And so I remember getting a CD and that had the Anchorman. I feel like running the live or the original version, the live version and I was a fan of the Anchorman, you know, when I was a teenager. So, um, and they've always had a wonderful group and I learned a lot about how to be on the road. Cause it's different when you're traveling on the road with your family, 
Oh yeah. Um, then when you're traveling with six other guys All on right. a bus, uh, and, and, and everyone has different backgrounds, religious backgrounds, you know, thought backgrounds, everything. And so, um, I grew up pretty fast being on the road, um, at an early age with, with quartets. I bet. Yeah. And yeah, you're right. Anchorman had some, that group that you was a part of. I know, uh, I, I remember some specific, and I hate to call out names and leave Jeff out any, Chapman, but yeah, man, Jeff, Jeff Chapman, Chapman yeah. with the Kingdom Mares, um, Philip Hughes, who was with the Kingsmen, um, great voices, wonderful, wonderful singers. And, and so, and even to this day, you know, like, um, David uh, Sutton with Triumph. Yeah. He he started out with the Anchorman, and and so just so many great singers, and um, you know, it seemed like it was a revolving door. But um, and that's what a lot of people think of when they think of the Anchorman. But when you think of it, they they were the launching pad for you know that's why they have, and I'm not demeaning them in an, in a way of saying they were a farm team for. Yeah. The, you know, the pro level. But I mean, in the same sense, that's why the New York Yankees has a farm team that's somewhere right. in Atlanta or, or somewhere like that, because you're always looking for new singers. And oh, yeah. and uh, and so they were smart enough to know that that, hey, if someone wants to leave, as long as they leave on good terms, once an anchorman, always an anchorman. And uh, I'll, awesome. I'll forever cherish my time with them. That's great. Yeah. Oh, you're right. You know, some of the groups like the Anchorman and back in the day, Singing Americans and the Dix, yep. Dixie Melody Boys, they, they have put a lot of singers on other groups. But, you know, that's that's just been a great thing. Um, and they've always yep. remained consistent. I was thinking about you mentioned about liking Brian and liking the Gold City. The first memory I have of you vocally and I think it was on that first album with the Anchorman, um, you had a song, Giver of Life, and I remember hearing that song, and to me, your vocal stylings reminded me a lot of Brian. I mean, it, it reminded well, me a lot Well, and that was my then. goal. I mean, you know, I mean, all I would do as a teenager, most teenagers, you know, at that time, were watching MTV or, you know, hanging out with friends um, because we weren't in public school, I didn't have a lot of friends, you know, in the right. neighborhood. And so I didn't, you know, we just, I just sit at home and play, play my, my gold city CDs and just sing every note with Brian, sing his part. And uh, so he was my hero. And um, since then has become a great friend. I actually filled in for him uh, one weekend when his son was graduate, his youngest Bryce was graduating. And um, that was an honor for me, you know, I mean, growing up and, and him being my hero. And it's amazing that, you know, I'm not trying to say he's old, but he's older than me. You know, I was a kid and he was already traveling with gold city. So, um, you know, and he still to this day has a consistent voice. He does you know it's him. You, and, and to me has gotten even better since the eighties, you know? And, uh, so yeah, he was my hero in Southern gospel music growing up. Yeah, he he definitely he has he hasn't lost anything, and he he may not quite sing as high as he used to all the time with uh, at the Gold City days, but he doesn't have to. And and is uh, to me he he's really grown uh, vocally, and he he yeah. He, and that's I love one thing you start him. realizing the older you get, Scott uh, is you know Michael English was another one of my heroes growing up, especially my teenage years, because um, you know I I wasn't familiar with the vocal band back you know, when I was real young, but, but especially the Michael English era of that. And then his solo stuff, he, he was a hero of mine, but, but we've worked several times in the studio together and, and with gold city and, and solo. 
Um, and he was like, you know, man, you you got to sing this song when you're 55 years old. You know, if, if you want right. it to laugh, I mean, you got to you got to be able to sing this song. And and so that's one thing you realize is, um, it's the people out in the audience don't know you're hitting a B flat or a C or a D. You know, as long as it's comfortable for you, I want to be able to sing for a long time. So even I and my you know, getting up there in age, and um, I'm 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 mindful of that because you know there's so many people that just sing sky high for their whole career, and then when they are older, um, it's harder to hit those notes, and and you're not as polished or clear, and so you know I'd rather be able to sing songs for the rest of my life than to not be able to sing them at all. Oh yeah, and then taking that uh, talking about the Gold City connection then about what 2004 i believe that was 2004 i joined gold city yep 2004 that was i remember where i was at we were in pennsylvania at a camp meeting well it was a concert but it was at a campground like a wesleyan campground where they had you know it was open sides but it was covered um one of those type of you know just you go to a camp meeting or a youth camp or something where the pavilion is out outside but it's it's covered in case it rains but I remember sitting on the bus, and um, we had just got done with sound check. I believe we were actually doing a spark of flame that night with with the McKeithens, and I think the Dove Brothers were there as well. And someone came on the bus. We were all sitting on the bus, and someone came on and said, "Did y'all hear Jay Parrick just turned in his resignation to <laughs> leaving Gold City?" And I kind of played it off from it because I always, you know, I always said that was my dream, and and that if I ever had the opportunity, I would, I would go for it. And so I played it off for, a, you know, several minutes. And then I was like, Hey, I need to, I want I need to walk outside. And I walked outside and I called our booking agent who happened to book for gold city as well. And I said, I just heard about Jay and I want, I want to, I want a shot at it. And she gave me Tim's number and Tim said, Hey, Dan, Danny's handling all that. And uh, was very kind. And I called Danny and set up a, a tryout and um, man, the next week I got a call saying I had the job. So um, it was, it was the thrill of a lifetime, you know, moved from North Carolina to Gadsden, Alabama. And, and um, you know, I'm still in Alabama. We, when I left Gold City in 2009, I moved to Nashville for about five, six years, but just love Alabama so much. I'm, I, I moved back, you know, and so I'm still about 30 minutes from Gold City's headquarters. That's great. And um, I was thinking, and every artist through the years, there's a song or two that kind of becomes their signature song, I guess is the best way that I could put that. And thinking about you, I think it was around 2006 or so, I think Tim had come off the road, you had Aaron on bass, and y'all put out the Revival CD. And on that CD, y'all had a song that featured you, preach the word would you say that's probably one of your signature songs or that that definitely is that's that's become you know um it was such a blessing when when we went in the studio that was the first time i met michael english michael sykes they were both producing that album and so we had went we had gathered a bunch of songs and um to listen to and we met in the studio one day in nashville and there's Michael sitting at the, at the soundboard, hit and play on all these songs. And Jonathan had found what he wanted to do. Danny had found Eric, you know, and, and I didn't have like that one 
song that I, you know, and um, this song came on, and um, and as soon as it went from the first verse to the chorus, it was a choir song. A, a great friend of mine that we've become great friends now, Jim Davis, he wrote that song. He's from Riverdale, California, and he wrote the song, sent it to us. But he's um, he has a youth choir that they go on tour every year, going from California all the way to the East Coast and back. And, uh, uh, you know, like a hundred voice youth choir. It's incredible. And um, but they'd made a CD and he sent that song to us. And when it got to the second verse, I was like, oh, I like that song, but I know Jonathan or Daniel get this song if they like it better than one of their other ones. Because, I mean, they had tenure. I mean, right. it was Tim Riley's son or Jonathan Wilburn, you know, who had won favorite lead singer of the year for years. Right. And so I was like, ah, and, and then all of a sudden, Michael, and we, we had only met that day, that morning. And um, he'd never, I mean, I maybe he had looked online and, and listened to what I sounded like, but he saw the potential and he said, I think Steve should sing the song just oh, out wow. of the blue. Hmm. And, and from, I mean, from that moment. And then I remember normally when we would do an album, we would all, all four vocals go to the studio, you know, even though we did it part by part, the lead would put down his part, the baritone, then the tenor, you know, or the tenor and baritone, then the bass final. But um, this time they sent me by myself to Nashville to record, um, my vocals none of the other guys so i had no family support in the studio scared to death <laughs> michael english sitting in the other room across oh. the glass and michael sykes <laughs> and they sent me up there to nashville alone to do that you know and i was like and i remember starting it and getting through it we always sing it through one time just to, and then michael was, he stopped everything michael english and he said he said you know what man you know as michael talks he said um Brian Free is great and all. He said, but when you when people hear this, do you want them to say, is that Brian Free's new song or is that is that Steve Live with Gold City? Oh wow. And and so it clicked. And from that moment on, he said, Man, just sing like you've always wanted to sing. And I'd up to that point always sang that almost fake type of tenor, the falsetto yeah. kind of just head tone, mm -hmm. real thin. Um but I'm a fan of like Steve Perry and Steve, yes. you know, um, Aerosmith, Stephen Tyler. And now you're talking. Singers. <laughs> yeah. And so <laughs> I, and, and they were tenor singers, but they were full voice tenor singers, you know? Right. And, um, and so he was like, man, just sing like you've always wanted to sing. He said, just think of it this way. Don't think of yourself as a quartet tenor singer anymore. He said, think of yourself as a good singer that just happens to sing high. Wow. And that's good once stuff. he said that, it clicked in my head and I started singing totally different from that moment on. And I feel like every album I've done has been, you know, I've gotten more confident in that because it's hard to go from just singing like this to, to singing big, you know, right. making it big, but also high. And, um, and so, you know, uh, th there was preacher and it, and it, and it came out and it was, it was a song that, that when I left Gold City, not that I had plans of that, but when I left, every church has played that for the pastor. Every church choir sang that song. That's right. And so they played it for Pastor Appreciation Day and put pit collages up of their pastor and, you know, the church. And so it opened the door when I said, hey, I'm the, the singer that sings Preach the Word, you know. Um, and so it has been a blessing 
to me. It really has. And, and uh, not every singer gets the chance to say, okay, oh, they might not know the name, but they know the song and they're all, oh, he sings that song, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's been fun. It's been a blessing and, and, and I'm thankful for it. That's great. And yeah, I, I was listening. I, I'm a collector of Southern gospel music and I was listening back and forth to some songs leading up to this interview this week. And yeah, listening to you back on giver of life versus listening to you today with old pass. It's, it's just different. It's just, you know, and you just took the, you took us through why, why it's different that, you know, your, your transition and that experience with Michael in the studio. So that's, I love stories like that. That's, that's good stuff. Well, and it's the truth, and it, and 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 it also goes to show, you know, that you never, you never quit learning, you know. Right. I mean, you never. If 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 a painter only painted the same picture every time, people get tired of seeing, you know. I mean, seeing their paintings because they're going to be like, well, I just saw this, right. you know, last time we painted a painting, and so um, it has helped to, you know, and not to be too secular, redefine my career in a sense to where when I, because I realized real fast when I left Gold City and, and be, decided to become a soloist that um, the modern church world is different than what it was. Um, no doubt. In order for a lot of the modern church world, they don't bring any Southern gospel in. They, they think it's hokey or they, they're used to the old stuff where four, four guys and four matching suits and ties and hokey jokes and, you know, um, but then I was able to come in and and do some more modern sounding stuff, some some praise and worship, along with singing songs like "I'll Fly Away" and preach the word and and Southern gospel, and let people see that man, we could bring him in, and he appeals to everyone in our audience, young to old, and so it has helped me to stay relevant in the music business um, for for the last 12 years. Absolutely. Because when you came into Kennedy, when I was there, and even when you came in, uh, I think a couple of years ago at Detroit, where we're at now, yeah. you know, and, and watching you, you, you can open up a set with a song that most praise and worship choirs know, like uh, everlasting God and the young folks yeah. know that. And then you can transition to some of the, you know, standard present Southern gospel. And then you can pick up, like you said, I'll fly away. Uh, stuff like that, and by the time that you've left the place, you've connected with everybody when you get right down to it. You know, you, there's and, been... that, and that's my goal, even with the old passes, is, is, you know, not everybody in the group sounds the same. Like Tim, Tim's a diehard Southern gospel lead singer, you know. Right. That's all he's ever done, but yet he's broadening his repertoire. I mean, our new album has This Is Amazing Grace, which is a, a, a worship song, That's you right. know, and he does it great, but he can turn around and sing Look At All I Lost, which is just a straightforward Southern gospel song. But, um, so it's, it's, we each bring something different to the table. Yes. And, um, you have to have something for, I mean, this is a hungry world. I mean, everybody's wanting their ear tickled. Not in that sense as, as far as what Paul wrote to Timothy, but everyone has different musical tastes because of the internet and, and so many different genres. Yes. And so there are people sitting out there that loves bluegrass or and some that love rock and some that love country. And, and, you know, and so if you've got the combination where you can, you can appeal to just about everybody in that place, um, then I feel like you'll be successful and you'll stay busy. 
you know, because, um, and so we've been blessed. That's great. And, uh, stepping through that, we've talked a little bit, uh, going through this history, we've moved to your solo and, and I know I think you still do a few solo dates, but a couple of years ago that you picked up the tenor, uh, part for the old pass quartet as they reorganized and got back on the road and that's who you're with presently and then you guys are just a fantastic quartet and uh, i'm tickled to hear that y'all are getting back on the road after this uh corona mageddon that we've experienced but uh, i know you guys do a great job and i was thinking uh i don't want to keep you on the phone forever but i do have a couple of rapid fire kind of questions to ask you that you might can uh I don't know. I mean, this is kind of your standard interview stuff. Shoot away, still, still stuff that I think folks like to know. So, you know, we talked a little bit about your musical influences and your stylings. We know you grew up listening to Brian and, and you first styled your vocals after him. Uh, you also mentioned something that you may have told me before, but we're kindred spirits when you started me- mentioning Journey and, and Steve Perry and, and stuff like that because I've... Uh, uh, I'm a weird mix. I love Southern gospel and I love classic Southern rock kind of music. So you're, you're me speaking too, to and me. And I there. like all it. Like, and yeah, man, I mean, <laughs> I always, I mean, there's never a Tim, Tim, in my opinion, one of the best vocals to sing was Steve Perry. Absolutely. And, and, and Steven Tyler. Oh yeah. I mean, when you yeah. think about it, I mean, as high as you could get just in, and just, and, 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 and even, Totally on the other side of the spectrum, Vince Gill and yes. and um, and uh, Willie Nelson is one of my favorite all-time singers. I just, you know, I, I love how he sounds the same today as he did 30 years ago. You know, I mean, right. and, and so I, I grew up. Um, we didn't have to just listen to Southern gospel; we just chose to, right. you know. But I wasn't in a family where you couldn't play, you know. Um, a Willie Nelson song on the radio and, and, you know, I mean, we loved music and and they instilled in us, my parents instilled in us a love for just music in general, because, you know, and I'm not talking about death metal, death metal rap or, you know, (laughs) know. explicit language. I'm just saying good old homes, you know, Vince Gill, I still believe in you and me. I mean, how, I mean, that's what every couple should should sing to each other, you know, Absolutely. and, um, and so I loved those old, you know, um, because I grew up in the eighties, you know, I was born in 76, grew up in the eighties. And, and so, you know, that's when that, that style was popular, just that oh, yeah. power ballad rock and roll. And, and, you know, and you had those incredible voices that are not found right now, very, very seldom found right now in the music industry. Well, you make a good point because I've been mixing a project for uh, my cousins and uh, we were working on the mix. And of course I've got all of the, I've got the digital recording software and all the hookup and, you know, we're going through and I'm fixing stuff. There's a, you know, there's a place here or there that we might tune or there's a place here or there that we might clip. And one of them made the comment about, think about the way it used to be when folks had to go in there and, sing it they had to sing it right until it was right you know yes and 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 you know how hard it is to get it right i mean you might work for 30 minutes on one stinking line right you know Uh, and it's 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 just now you're like you have the capability of nope let's go redo that nope hit it again nope hit it again where back then 
they were such good singers. Yeah, I mean, I can imagine. I mean, Stephen Tyler or even Stephen Perry probably worked on a song for hours and hours, but they didn't have tuning or melodyne or you <laughs> right, know, right. all the tuning. I mean, they had to get it right. Yeah. And, and so that's why to this day, they, you know, I mean, they might be older and have dropped a couple notes, you know. Yeah. But they're still incredible singers is because they knew how to sing. It wasn't this nowadays, nah, it doesn't matter as long as you look great and you look hot, you know, we <laughs> right. can make you sound great, it, you know. Per- perfect example, because now, yeah, it makes it where you just don't have to work that hard on your singing. You work harder on your presentation and the package. Yep. And, and the looks. And, yep. and, we'll, and we'll make it sound good. So, yeah, so those, and, and that kind of answers, I was just curious about some of your influences and vocal stylings, and that, that hits there, some of your heroes you've mentioned. So thinking about, I mean, I know there's no telling how many miles you've got on you, even at your, uh, you're not, yeah, relatively young age. You're, you're younger than me, so I think you're young. <laughs> Just turned forty four last year, man. Yeah. So and or I'm, no, last last week. Last I'm week. Sorry, not last yeah. year. And uh, I'm forty six, so you're young. So, um, <laughs> but any like on your road, you on your road travels, any just major memorable concerts or venues or experiences? Does anything just jump out to you that just you know if you were if you were making a scrapbook of your career, you just you would have to include. Yeah, the first time at NQC, you know, I mean, that was my dream was to be able to sing on National Quartet Convention stage and um, never dreamed. Um, that's that's a big one. Never dreamed I'd sing on the Grand Ole Opry stage. And um, yeah. they had a weekend where they did uh, Southern Gospel music all weekend long. And the Anchorman were one of those groups. And so I stood on that stage and sang, you know, um, you know, so many, man, I, you know, just the, it was about seven years ago, eight years ago, I was um, asked to be a part of Alan Jackson's second gospel album, Precious Memories, Volume 2, Wow, which won a Billboard Music Award for favorite Christian album, sold four million or over 40 million copies at the time. And, wow. and uh, so it's, God has blessed me so much. I was um, 2017 was inducted into the GMA um, Gospel Music Association Hall of Fame with Gold City. So, mm. uh, you know, um, so so many cool things have happened. We just, the Old Pass had um, a number one back in March of this year. Yes, you did. Come Sunday morning, mm-hmm. I was featured on. And, and so, man, it's just, it's just been a blessing to be able to, even through this coronavirus, you know, I mean, I, I mentioned to you before we went on air, I had to file for unemployment for the first time in my whole entire life, you know? Um, But I'm still sitting here thinking how much I've been blessed, you know, and, and to be able to do what I have, you know, which is in light of other people seems small, but to me, you know, a country boy from Ohio and we were raised poor. I mean, my dad would take any revival. He was under the mindset if they wanted us to come sing and preach, it didn't matter how small it was, how many people were there, we were going to go, you know, which, which is right because everyone needs the gospel. But as far as someone who was trying to supply for his family, sometimes it was very meager. It was, we had a lot of rough times growing up. Um, and to, to see what God has allowed me to do has been um, just mind blowing, you know, because I'm not worthy of it. My, my brothers, 
they had a desire and a dream as well to do what I'm doing and it never worked out for them, you know, um, but yet it did for me. And so I sit sometimes back and I, I look and I'm like, well, why did it happen for me and not them? You know? Oh, yeah. Um, and so I've just been blessed. Yeah. Blessing after blessing for sure. And I, I thank you for sharing that. Uh, now take a little turn here though, because we talk about blessing after blessing and filling the scrapbook with wonderful memories. How about, uh, you know, this is one out of the old interview pocket, but, you know, through your years, I'm sure you've had some boo-boos. I'm sure you've had some slip-ups. Do you have any just like hugely major embarrassing moment that you would share with listeners? You know, something that we, you know, make somebody smile. I know everybody's human, so we all have our, our, our boo-boos. I remember one time I was directing choir for Sunday morning worship and we had already transitioned out of the, the pastor and I did not wear suits, you know, every Sunday we kind of, yep. we still like maybe slacks, sport coat or, or khakis and a button down, something like that. But I praise God that that day I did have a suit on because I led the choir, of course, with my back to the congregation. And when we got through and I started coming down, I felt something and I reached back and the back of my pants had busted out i mean absolutely like the seam <laughs> had blown out and i'm just i thank the good lord that i had the suit jacket on or that would have been you know something that would have been hard to get over just you ever had anything that just comes to mind well of course man i mean there there have been times i've went on stage and we we take an intermission or an offering break and i go backstage and and then i realize my zippers have been down you know um <laughs> yeah so, i mean everybody has had something like that but um, just just typical stuff. I remember I was with the anchor one night, and it, it, it you know, TMI, but it hit me before we went on stage. It hit me. I had to go to the bathroom. And so I thought I had plenty of time, and I get out of the bathroom. I wash my hands, walk out back of the sanctuary, and the guys are all standing on stage. They've already <laughs> introduced the group, you know, and here I am. And all I could say was when I got to my mic, well, when you got to go, you got to go. That's awesome. You know? Yeah. 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 That's, that's good stuff, man. Um, all right. So before we get to kind of the closing thought I want to go to, now this is something that's a little selfish on my part. And, and talking about my singing, and I appreciate it. I appreciate what you said, but even my talking and my voice through the years have got has gotten a little more raspy, and I have what I guess you would call. Well, I'll just tell that to Stephen Tyler. I mean, the raspy is cool. I am, you know. But uh, the reason behind this is I have what I guess you would call chronic sinusitis. I mean, 365 mm. days a year, I am stopped up. I just, I have issues and I've had allergy shots. I've taken every spray. I've had surgery. I've done about everything that you can do. And it's just something, even when I do sing for a long time, and if I start trying to place like you're supposed to correctly place in the mask, you know, to sing, I end up getting just a, a miserable throbbing headache for that day. All that to say is, you know, somebody like you, who's uh, your your livelihood depends on your voice and and being as as good as you possibly can night after night and but still i mean sickness comes issues comes do you have any secrets any magic remedies anything you go to for either for staying healthy or when you feel the issues coming on that would affect your singing that you do to kind of help yourself get through it yeah well i mean you know i take an allergy pill Every day, whether I need it or not, I just take it a 24-hour 
um, allergy pill. I take Mucinex every day, whether I need it or not, and it just keeps you clear. Um, and um, I take this stuff called Wellness Formula, and people can find that on Amazon um, or their, you know, a vitamin shop or an herb shop. It's just, it is incredible. It's called Wellness Formula, and you take it whether you're sick or not. Um, you take a pill or two a day um, with your other medicine. And then if you feel what's great about it, for me, not everybody, but for me, when if I wake up and I feel, oh, I'm getting sick or I've got a sore throat, I'll start taking three every three hours. And man, by the next day, I don't feel anything. And so it helps me. It's called wellness formula. And um, you can find it. I don't take the 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 capsules. I take the actual herbal pills. Um, and they smell horrible and taste horrible, but I'm telling you, they have worked for me. Tim Riley got me on those when I joined Gold City. I was, for some reason, you know, if someone would get sick on the bus, boom, I get it. You know, wow. I just got sick all the time. And he said, you need to be on wellness formula. And I'd never heard of that. And I went and, and I got some at a mall that day at a vitamin world and um, have taken it ever since. Well, let's see. Now, I, I'm doing this for selfish reasons. And if when I start asking some of these <laughs> artists this, I'm going to start trying some of You're this to see if it, it helps yeah. me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, man, that's good stuff. Well, I've really uh, I've enjoyed my time with you, but I wanted to uh, kind of close this down. And and uh, this, our podcast here, we go in a lot of different directions and, and, and we have a lot of fun, but there's always going to be a faith-based piece to this. And and I was thinking about, and I was talking with you a little bit before we jumped on this podcast, that uh, over the years and just watching you sing, uh, hearing you sing, uh, I, I was reminded, I, I remember that Glenn Payne of the cathedrals, he, he would talk at length about communicating a song. He, uh, you know, much more than singing a correct note or anything else. It's com- communicating the message of the song was what it, what was important. And whether it's been songs like Preach the Word or Broken People Like Me, uh, songs like that, uh, that, that's one thing that I've really come to admire about you. I think you're a fantastic communicator of, of the songs that you sing. Even when you were in the studio with me with songs that you were not very familiar with, when you got into it and you were singing the lyrics and singing the message, you could tell that you kind of go to a different place. It's it's not that you're just singing and you're trying to do precision singing of notes. You take yourself to a place, I would say, a, a, a place of worship, a place of feeling what you're singing and, and knowing the truth behind it. And I remember specifically when you were at Kennedy, I think it was the first time you came to Kennedy, and I think you may have closed the service. But you sung a song, and and I mean it it absolutely tore me to pieces because and you communicated it well. Uh, the song was uh, a secret place, the secret place. Uh, I believe it's the title of it, but um, and it basically talks about the pro- brokenness of an individual, uh, individual having things in their life that nobody else sees, and you really don't want to show to anybody, and you especially don't want to open up that secret room where those uh, those issues are you don't want it, you don't want to let the lord look upon it even though he is the one who shines that healing light into it and, and and takes all the hurt away and makes all things new but you communicated that song so well and 
I thought maybe if you didn't mind that, you know, with songs like that, that you can communicate well, maybe, you know, where you go, maybe you can speak about what they mean to you. Maybe you have a message for our listeners today because every listener today that's listening to us is a broken vessel. There is none righteous. No, not one. And all of us have things. I mean, one reason that song got me so bad is because I, I have issues. Uh, you know, I, I have failed. I have fallen. I have failed my family. I have failed my God. I have, you know, I have I have let people down. And most importantly, I've let my Savior down. And, and, and so, you know, when you communicated that song, you were singing to me, you know, and you, you were communicating that to me. And so maybe maybe just share where, where you go in communicating a song and then may, maybe you have a message for the listeners, you know, that, uh, that may be listening in a place. This world is telling us a lot of dark lies right now and, and people are looking for hope and they're looking for, uh, they're looking for truth. They're looking, they're looking for something to fill an empty void in their life. So anyway, I thought you might talk about your communication of a song and then maybe if you had any uh, message for the listener today. Yeah, you know, um, and I don't know the secret recipe to that. And all I can tell you is that when when I first started singing, um, I told my dad the first time I sang on his revival stage, I said, I can't remember, six or seven years old. And um, I told my dad I wanted to sing. He said, all right, we'll get with sis. And because and, she played the piano, she said, just pick a song. And I said, no, I want to sing the invitation song. Um, for some reason, I was drawn to that time of the, the service. I knew that was the most important part of the service and that, you know, a song could be the open door for someone saying, OK, that's me. I need to go and get say, you know. And so um, and he, you know, he could have said, I'm not going to let a seven year old or eight year old sing, you know, the invitation song tonight when it's the most important. But he did. And and. From then on, I, I always sang the invitation song. And so I, to me, it was not just singing a song and being seen because I knew every head would be bowed and every eye closed. And um, from a very young age, I had a self-complex issue, you know, just just a horrible self-image of myself. And so but that was the most perfect time to be singing when everybody was had their eyes closed, you know, and their heads down. And so um to me, I knew that was important, and so when I would sing, it was one of the most important times of the night, so I, I took it literally, you know, I took it very seriously, and so then when I would sing anything else, I tried to keep that mindset that, you know, the invitation hour is not just at the end of the service, it could be during the middle, you know, it could be during the congregational singing, or, you know, and so I always kind of felt the need to for it to be a serious thing and um and it's like michael sykes i i mentioned i did a session this past monday with him and he was like i could have called this person i could call that person because i live in alabama three hours away but he called me and he's like man you know technically it would have been right and 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 you know but he said but that person just doesn't have the heart that you have when you sing and to me that that was the biggest compliment because this guy's produced the Oak Ridge Boys, gave the vocal band. I mean, so many people, and 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 so that's the biggest compliment when when they say you can communicate a song, um, even if you're not singing the lead on it, even if you're just singing harmony, 
um, because I, I just, I feel like it should be passionate. And so, um, you know, but, but where that all stems from is where I started singing, I started singing the invitation music. And so, and knowing the reverence of that hour or not hour, but that moment in the service and, and knowing that even though the words of the, the Bible and everything is the one drawing and the spirits drawing that person. But if there's a song that like you, when I sang secret place, it just melted your heart. Imagine if someone was out there and they're not saved and they, they're thinking about crossing that threshold, but yet not. But then if I could sing a song that would just open their heart up to really what they need to do, mm. that could be all the difference in the world. And so that's what I try to do. Even if I'm singing a fast song, you know, something that's not an invitation or, a, you know, a big power ballad or, a, you know, like broken people like me. I mean, that song, when I heard it, Kenna Turner West and she sent it to us and, I was like, oh, but that's me. You know, I've had things in my life that have been unpleasing to God from childhood, you know, and, and things in my life that have happened that, you know, caused me to be bound. Um, and and so but what the average listener needs to know is even though we see someone on TV or we see Charles Stanley or even Billy Graham, we're all human. There were things in Billy Graham's life that, boy, he didn't probably want everybody to know. True. You know, yes. there, were, there were things in his life, just like we all faced, that he was probably like, oh, Lord, people knew this about me. Would they put any stock in what I'm saying? You know, and so uh, that's the beautiful thing about salvation. We don't have to be perfect. Yes, we need to strive to be like Jesus and strive to be perfect. But if we could be perfect by striving to be perfect, he wouldn't have had to come and die. Amen. You know. And and so we all need to realize that even though we have things in our life that maybe hold us back from our full potential or, or hold us back as far as mentally or bind us from childhood or something like that, um, that we can still be used by God and we are still his children. And, and, and if he's given us a talent or, a, you know, something to do for him that don't have to hold us back. We don't have to say, well, once I get my life straight now, once I get over this thing, then I can really be used. No, I mean, we can be used right where we're at. And that's why I love the song broken people in secret places. Cause we all, I mean, from Billy Graham down to me, we've all had stuff in our lives that have not been pleasing to God. And just because you never found out about it from Billy Graham or, you know, all these other big time preachers doesn't mean they haven't struggled with something. And um, so I hope that encourages someone today that, you know, I mean, it's it's we're all human. And if we could Amen. be perfect, he wouldn't have had to die. And so he can still use our brokenness. That's great, Steve. I appreciate you sharing that with our listeners. And uh, that's a message that, that folks need to hear. I, I, I remember specifically one time with uh, uh, a gentleman and uh, you could tell the Lord was dealing with the heart and and. And, and knocking on the door, however, whatever cliche you want to use. But you knew that the Spirit was dealing with him. He was being drawn uh, to being saved. Sure. And and discussing it, he said, but I just, I, I, I'm not... I'm not good enough. I, I can't live a good enough life to merit being saved. And and that's not... If we could live that righteous life, like you said, there would have been no need for Jesus to come from his throne and, and to die for our sins and for us to have salvation that we have through his cleansing power. There's there's no cleansing power within ourselves. So 
Uh, that's no, a good and, message. And, 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 and that's what you need to see when you see your pastor up on Sunday morning. And we put, we put people on pedestals and we start believing in them more than the God that they're trying to serve just like us. Mercy. You know, yes. I mean, it's, it's that pastor maybe had a argument with his family the night before or slept on the couch on a Saturday night because he argued with his wife or, or over an issue, you know, but yet that's what he does and his calling. He had to get up the next morning and put his suit and tie on and go, go try to bring a word to the people. But people don't realize that, that everyone is human. Everyone struggles with something. It might not be, be to the same level as you or me or the next person, but it's all the same in God's eyes. Amen, brother. I thank you for sharing that. And I tell you, I've really, really enjoyed spending this time with you, and I appreciate you and your willingness to spend the time with us. Um, to our listeners, I want to take this opportunity just to remind you that if you're enjoying what you're hearing on the SBM Studios podcast, then please share it with uh, share it with your friends, share it on social media, and for sure, if you're listening to this on Apple Podcast or if you're listening to it on Spotify or whatever. Uh, whatever application you're listening to, if you will subscribe and follow, then you won't miss our next episode. And we just appreciate the support and pre- appreciate those who are listening with us. But uh, before we go, Steve, real quick, I would like to give you the opportunity. I do know you still take a few select solo dates. And then, of course, you are uh, traveling with Old Pass Quartet. So why don't you tell our folks uh, you know, where they can find you, where they, you, uh, your group, your solo ministry, uh, any kind of websites or social media that you could uh, share with our listeners in case they want to look you up. And we would love for you to invite Steve and the Old Pass to your church. So, Steve, won't you share that? Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Um, they can look up the Old Pass on Facebook, the Old Pass Quartet, um, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Um, they can look me up if they're just interested in my solo music. I don't do, like you said, I only do a few here and there during the year. Um, and as far as solo concerts, and it's normally at a revival or at a conference or a special event during the week because, um, they all pass sing every weekend. So, um, but they can go to Steve Ladd music on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, Steve Ladd music or Steve Ladd.com and um and find out more about my music and everything there i've got a new uh, well my latest album uh, it's been out for about a year and a half and um, jason crabs featured on there with me and so um just got some you know it's it's a little different than my quartet stuff with the out with the group but um but i've had some really wonderful wonderful songs throughout the years that have been uh i've been blessed to be able to record so they can go on spotify or apple music or anything and just look up steve ladd and and follow my music there well steve i thank you so much for sharing that and i really do thank you for spending the afternoon with us and uh, sharing with our listeners and i've really enjoyed talking with you i know it's going to be a blessing to those who do pass by and listen to our podcast and uh, I, I pray blessings on you and your ministry always. And I uh, hope you know that if you ever need me for anything, all you have to do is call on me and I'll do my best to do what I can do. And to our listeners, we thank you so much for joining us today. We pray blessings upon you as well. And we hope that you follow us again on all of your applications that you're listening to this on. Follow us on Spotify. Follow us on Apple Podcasts so you don't miss the next episode. But until next time, we'll see you around the bend.